Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 212 of Respawning Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Affable Idiots. I am Holden DePardo, and we've got here with us today... A snake. <laughs> a snake. <laughs> I am Chad We McGlinus. have a snake. <laughs> oh, and we've got snake. the sli- slitheriest fan base of all time joining Slimies. us from all over the world right now. Mm. Not, snakes aren't slimy. You don't know that. I've never even, I've touched a snake. I've had a snake on my, yeah. you never did that thing in elementary, every public school did this, where the person yeah, they're not slimy. with the reptiles comes, and they go up your arm, and like some little five-year-old girl's like, <laughs> and a python wraps around her and chokes her to death. That didn't happen at your elementary school? That didn't, but. because they all, right, all hyped up on the coffee sca- milk. The scaliest fan base of all time joining us from all over the world right now. Nice, there just like go. that disease in Game of Thrones. Exactly. Uh-huh. And just like Game of Thrones, you can watch us Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time Whoa. on Twitch here right now. Whoa. Or if you can't get us then, on YouTube and podcast services, Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We've got a pretty packed – oh, hey, how's it going, Stephen and Brent? They're Hi. in the chat. That's them. That's what they sound like. Hi. <laughs> We've got a pretty packed uh, episode. We're talking about Starfield and kind of all the stuff that's happened with Starfield recently. We're talking about the Skyward Sword amiibo that is upsetting a lot of people. And then we have some updates on Summer Games Fest and E3 to talk about. But before all that, we haven't talked about this next story for the past three weeks. We wanted to wait until everything with the Apple Epic trial kind of concluded in testimony, at least, um, yeah, before we talked about like, it. Like, we don't have a, a verdict or, like... Correct. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. They're doing closing arguments on Monday, so presumably no new information will be given out on Monday, just kind of reiterating. But apparently they're going to be debating more. So I am curious how that plays out. But we kind of have all of the the big information of how the trial played out. And then the judge said that she will – she's doing another trial, and she's going to read into the case – she doesn't want to rush it, but she doesn't want to take too long either. She's not one, she says, to just kind of sit in her laurels. Um, but she says at least b- like around or before August 13th. So Perfect. it'll be a little while. <laughs> Is Chad high? <laughs> I'm high on life, everyone. Yes, I'm high on life and a little bit of Mountain Dew Zero. <laughs> <laughs> So because in the grind, if anyone watched um, the grind, I talk a lot about Epic's case against Apple. So we're going to be kind of focusing on just the testimony from um, from Apple executives, namely Phil Schiller, Craig Federighi, and Tim Cook. They talk largely about the same thing. So rather than saying the same things three times, I want to point out one thing that I thought was interesting about Phil Schiller, who is the former head of marketing at Apple, um, what his kind of testimony said, one of the interesting thing about that. And then we're going to get Tim Cook's testimony and spend a lot of time on that. And then just some just kind of cool insights we got about the industry and the and during the trial and kind of some of the secrets that uh, came out. So starting off, Apple wants you to know it chose not to take a cut of $400 billion in physical good, says Sean Holster Ooh. at The Verge. Actually, Sean Holster didn't say that he reported on it. Phil um, Schiller, I almost said Phil Spencer, Phil Schiller um, <laughs> said that. So one of Epic's contentions with Apple is how they choose which companies to monetize. So, for example, you know they'll uh, monetize Fortnite V-Bucks or your 
uh, Hulu subscription, but they're not going to monetize Uber Eats. And that was kind of one of the things that Epic said was it felt arbitrary. They don't know why they did that. And Phil Schiller elaborated on that. And I thought this was interesting. He said it's because they can't guarantee the delivery of a physical good, but because they handle digital infrastructure, they can ensure the delivery of a digital good. So they only want to charge kind of what's in jurisdiction. So basically, a shorter way of thinking about it is like if it's a part of your phone experience and it's a product you'll be experiencing on your phone, Apple will monetize that. You're not eating a cheeseburger through your phone, so Apple's not going to charge not you for yet. that. Not yet. Not yet. Like <laughs> augmented reality, 3D printing. I'd always, you know, I'd always thought about that. Like, why why does they, why does Apple take a 30% cut of a game, but they don't take a 30% cut of something you buy through Target app? Like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's all about the delivery of digital yeah. versus physical goods. Interesting. Yeah. It also explains to why, like Kindle books, for example, like Amazon Kindle books mm-hmm. are included in that, and Apple wants to take a thirty percent cut of that because it is technically a, a digital experience you're experiencing on iPhone. But that is a whole other can of worms that's already controversial in and of itself. Worms Ultimately, are gross. by not mo- <laughs> by not monetizing the um, four hundred billion dollars in physical goods, that's just in twenty nineteen, by the way. That's just one year. Apple turned down to $120 billion in potential revenue, which is like eight times more than they currently make in the App Store right now. So they were kind of just touting that and how noble they are for not taking all of that money. <laughs> but uh, no, but it, it is, uh, it, I think, interesting uh, insight into the the company. Let's move on to Tim Cook's testimony. Craig Federighi, the Tim head Apple. of software at Apple. <laughs> Tim Apple. Craig Federighi is also did a testimony, but again, it's largely the same stuff. So we'll stick to just Tim Cook now. Tim Apple. Sorry, Tim Apple. That's right. That's right. Apple We're CEO still faces... making the same jokes we did a year ago. Thank you, Twitter. <laughs> Apple CEO faces tough questioning as Epic Game Trial wraps up, says Kyle Orland at Ars Technica. So Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers asked Tim Cook why Apple can't just let developers offer a web link um, on their own site to handle the payment. So the, the whole Fortnite thing, like why can't Epic offer their own payment option instead of of Apple? And Not necessarily that. Quote, this one is specifically, why can't Epic link out to buying it on Safari yeah. instead of in the app? Yeah, and ultimately being like offering a different payments off, um, option, yeah. But you're right, there's an important distinction there. Tim Cook said, quote, if you allow people to link out like that, you would essentially give up the total return on our IP would be akin to Apple going out to Best Buy, putting a sign there um, where we advertise you can go across the street to the Apple store to buy an iPhone. If the effort goes into uh, transacting with the customer in the app, it seems like the payment ought to happen in the app as well. He also adds that the 30% isn't a payment processing fee, but simply getting a, quote, return on investment for R&D costs related to iPhone hardware and software. This didn't seem to answer uh, Judge Gonzalez's question, however. She stated that Apple could just come up with another way to monetize its IP. One of her contentions is that the higher levels of game sales on iOS rather than general apps, she says the gaming industry seems to be generating a disproportionate amount of money to the IP you're giving them and everybody else. They seem to be subsidizing everyone, which is totally true. Games account for the vast majority, well, not vast majority, but definitely a majority of the transactions. I think it is like a vast majority. I think it's like a ton it's something, of the App Store. Yeah, it's something like an extra. What is it? Didn't they I say saw it a while ago? This like was an Apple The reason case. why games is now its own breakout tab in the store rather than yeah. combined with the rest of the apps is just because it was such a huge percentage of the business. Yeah, it's more. I think it's like, um, 
I think it's like an extra billion or something like that transactions occur that are game related as opposed to apps. But like, apps is already like over a billion. I can't remember the exact numbers on that, but it is it is true. Um, she also brings up the question of why Apple doesn't take a cut of baking banking transactions um, as well. So like when you go to Wells Fargo, for example, and you transfer money from one account to another account, why doesn't Apple charge a fee on that? And I think that kind of goes back to the whole that's not something you're – experiencing on your phone in the same right, way you're experiencing a digital good that you're paying for on your phone yeah exactly that's just kind of remotely ha- it's a kind of, in, in a way it actually kind of is translating a physical good if you think of money as a physical like good money has um, been physical heavy for quotations years. there because it's all digital anyway money's so, all gold and gold is all fake crypto for <laughs> life dogecoin <laughs> <laughs> The judge also questions the level of competition Apple faces in app purchases specifically. There doesn't seem to be an incentive for Apple to change their practices for developers. She quotes a study brought in by Epic that 39% of developers are unhappy with what Apple offers them. This steers the testimony um, to the small business program that Apple initiated last year, where essentially your first million dollars on the App Store in a year gets 15%. After that, then you get charged 30% for the remainder of that year and the next year. And basically, Apple was saying that, or the judge was saying that this felt like it was happening because of pressure from the lawsuit, and that's what initiated all of this. Tim Cook disagreed. He said that they've actually been working that program since 2016, but they didn't implement it because the financial team was uh, concerned that that could be used for fraudulent activity in the app store. So think like a company sells a Twitter app and they make 15 different companies that sell the exact same Twitter app, but it's all the same technical entity. And all of those different accounts never cross a million dollars. And then those companies end up gaming the system to get twice as much um, back. To relate it to video games. From the commission. Yeah, to relate it to video games, uh, it's like on the original NES, whenever Nintendo put a limit on how many games you were allowed to publish on it. So companies would make shell companies to say, all right, we're going to publish X amount of games under this, and then we're going to publish X amount of games under this fake company, and then X amount on that, just so they could release more on the platform. Mm -hmm. It's exactly like that, yeah. So... They said we, we weren't going to do it for that reason, but because of COVID and the sweetness of our hearts, we decided we needed to push the program through anyway. And the judge totally pushed back on that and said, but like the trial was totally on your mind because this happened eight months after COVID started and it happened after the lawsuit had occurred. She said, I can buy that that Google did the same program in response to competition from you, but you did it because there was the pressure from the lawsuit, right? And Phil Schiller, Craig Federighi, and Tim Cook all said the same thing, which was, well, I mean, it was in the back of our mind, but it was definitely COVID was the main reason why we did it. Personally, I think that's bullshit. (laughs) I think they did it because of the lawsuit, but that's what they said um, under oath. Judge Rogers believes Google's equivalent. Oh, right. Sorry, I read that part. Um, There's also the talked about privacy and security, which this gets really, really deep. But essentially, Apple argued that having third party stores on iOS would very much harm iOS security. And people tend to it is one of the main selling points of an iPhone that they would that that the security benefits is the main reason a lot of people buy an iPhone. It's one of the main reasons I have an iPhone versus Android. I don't like knowing that Google's snooping on everything I'm doing. Don't have to worry about that with Apple, as long as many other factors, too. Um, let's kind of start there, and then we'll go into the next part. But what are your kind of thoughts on some of Apple's points they brought up? 
I like that we had talked about, well, you had talked about it, I forgot you re-recorded it. Uh, in the grind, you talked about mm-hmm. the fact that Epic has been like conflating payment processing, like the 30% like in-app purchase fee with like payment processing mm-hmm. and that they were kind of the same, but it's really, <clears throat> it's really not. It's the R&D costs, it is the APIs that they're providing. And then uh, another interesting fact that came out is that that also like maybe it was phil schiller who mentioned it that 50 million a year goes into wwdc and yeah and that's phil schiller that's paid yeah. for by the 30 percent cut it's to uh, show off all of these new things for developers to give them hands-on one-on-one support from the engineers to say hey here's how you implement this new cool thing into your app here's how we troubleshoot with you and that one-on-one time does not come easy or cheap and he mentioned also something about no. like um, labs where they could go in person and have their apps troubleshooted and things like that. And that's just, that's, there is a lot more to that 30% than just, hey, you're on our store, so therefore we're going to take some money from you. It goes, it, a yeah. lot of that is returned back to the developers in ways that are hard to quantify. Yeah, it gets talked about as like an Apple tax, which I mean, it is semi accurate in the sense that yes, developers are all paying into. Uh, a tax so that developers unanimous or uh, universally get certain benefits, kind of like how you the government tax universal health kind of like that. But <laughs> yeah, um, I still don't like the tax comparison too much because it is just like it's a it's it's a commission. I think it's a, it's just I think a commission's a much fairer way of of looking at it. But yeah, and it's kind of funny because they iterated a lot of the same things that I said <laughs> in the grind. Um, but I am not working with Apple's lawyers to be very clear. <laughs> Uh, no, no connection whatsoever. Just to be. Uh, I thought that was really interesting too. What yeah. was that? Uh, nothing. I started singing the song from Sunny in Philadelphia musical, uh, "The Nightman Cometh." Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's not appropriate um, for live I... streaming. <clears throat> <laughs> the privacy and security thing to me is a really, really big deal. I actually am legitimately uncomfortable with how that could be compromised if Epic does get their way as a result of this because i feel like users do have a choice in the sense that if they don't want the heavy restriction of apple they can totally go to an android phone the next time they buy a phone like every phone on the on the planet has that ability to do what google phones do and have um apps purchased elsewhere outside of the play store only one phone doesn't do that and it's apple so i feel like it's not this like you know forced thing on on users there was something that came out. Oh God, I, I wish I could remember this, the stat specifically. But part of what they were talking about with privacy and security is they were comparing it to Android during a lawsuit, and how, mm-hmm. like, how an, an incredible number, like some orders of magnitude higher than and than iOS um, malware was it's on like thirty Android times devices. more. Yeah, it was something great. It was definitely double digits. Yeah. It's like thirty times more yeah. malware on Android devices, and most of that comes from being able to sideload apps and being able to, to do things outside of the mm-hmm. Google Play Store. Uh, so I totally yeah. buy the fact that privacy and security is is a large part of making sure that the App Store is the only place to get these things. Yeah. And it's not like – I feel like it's very well known that Apple is a walled garden. So this isn't like a surprise. It's not like people get an iPhone and go, wait, what are you telling me? It's just usually I think the people who are upset about this are people who have that value of not buying things from an app store if they don't want to and get Android as a result of it. I don't really know many iPhone customers or owners that are upset with this practice. 
but it makes sense why a company like Epic would be upset mm-hmm. with it based mm-hmm. on their business incentive. Um, I thought that was all. Um, that was all. Uh, I thought interesting. Um, the next part is this is an article from GamesIndustry.biz. Brendan Sinclair it says Tim Cook doesn't know stuff. Is the headline? <laughs> I'm gonna let you guys know ahead of time. This article massively pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was following along on Tim Cook's testimony, and I can tell you that a lot of the statements here, I'm just going to say it, are really disingenuous. And it really irritated me because of how blatantly disingenuous they were. Let's go through with it. So one is App Store profitability. You might have heard this whole thing that Apple doesn't know how profitable you know, the App Store is. How could such a large company not know? Um, Epic's lawyer, after Tim Cook said this whole, like, we're not quite sure exactly how profitable the App Store is, but he did say, like, we know it is profitable. It's not a question if it's profitable or not. We just don't know how profitable it is. Epic's lawyer showed, this is I'm just this is direct from what the article said, then I'll tell you what I noticed in the testimony. Epic's lawyer showed, quote, profit and loss statements for different aspects of Apple's business, which shows App Store being profitable. Now, Tim Cook's response to this was, well, those aren't, you know, um, that's not the entire story. Um, I, I can't speak to the exact, you know, uh, the ex- um, exacts of those numbers. In the testimony from what I was gathering by listening to it, that document that was handed to him of like the different parts of the business, the profitability, those were all estimations. It was not like here are the hard numbers of, of the accounting of Apple and, and how profitable the App Store is. If that was the document that was shown, then yes, you have Tim Cook on this whole he doesn't know stuff thing. But the whole document was basically what Tim Cook was saying is, we don't really know exactly how profitable it is, but we know it's profitable, we have an idea, but we don't really measure the company out like that. Um, And here's why I think this makes sense. Because everything in Apple is so integrated with each other, it's gotta be hard to say, we're having the team work on this new app. This new app is gonna have a user interface, it's going to have the background processing for how everything operates, it's going to have tools to connect to Siri, it's going to have tools that are APIs that connect to developers. You have all these different parts of it. How do you break up the budget for that app and say, well, 10% of this budget comes from the 30% cut of the app store? And the remaining, like, how do you break that up? Everything's too integrated, you kind of can't. So what Apple does is they just make sure that they're profitable in each area on their own so that they don't have to worry about integrating and just saying, make this, have it work everywhere and be consistent. They just they just make enough money to, to function like that. I think <laughs> is what it kind of comes down to. Um, I'm so sure. I, I felt, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I am, I'm sure um, that somewhere, someone at Apple has to know how much money, like a, a specific dollar amount that the App Store makes. But the fact is that like, yeah. Apple doesn't report that number. Apple reports, you know, like services, or I forget the name of whatever yeah. like that section is called every time they do an earnings report. And so I totally believe that Tim Cook would. I mean, if, if the numbers get that general, it's just like services made X amount of money, why in the hell should Tim Cook know the exact dollar amount of one of the fractions mm-hmm. of that piece of a service? And, uh, so, so there's someone out there, but it's, it's asinine to think that Tim Cook should know whether or not that is and exactly how much that is. It's stupid. Yeah, yeah. And there's another part, too, that I just, like, the the way it was phrased, I thought was just really disingenuous. So here's the exact quote from the article. It says, to hear him tell it, one of the largest businesses in the world doesn't know how much money it's making on one of its most crucial businesses. That part there, crucial businesses. 
the App Store accounts for like 0.3% of their yearly revenue. I would not count that as a crucial business <clears throat> of Apple. I think that's probably the more crucial business is the hundreds of billions of dollars that they make on iPhones every year, where privacy is incentivized, which makes much more sense why Apple would incentivize the privacy of their system, because it's a feature of their number one selling product that brings in like half of their income every year, as opposed to 0.3% of their business model that are apparently screwing people over to grow 0.3% of their revenue. It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, Phil Schiller's testimony, he said that Apple doesn't break down their business in that way and that isolates the App Store from other segments of the company. So Phil Schiller reiterated that's that same point as well. Uh, I just that part really annoyed me because I'm just like, it's just really, I think, disingenuous to phrase it in that way. The other part, and this one's, I think, much more of a gray area, um, said that Apple's competitors, um, is all about Apple's competitors. And Cook said that he doesn't see Google as a direct competitor to iPhone because customers don't buy operating systems, they buy devices. And yeah, they kind of compete with Pixel phones, I guess, but that's not necessarily one of their biggest competitors. In that case, like Samsung is a much bigger competitor um, to them. But Tim Cook was then shown an interview he did two years ago where he does say that Google and Apple compete in operating systems. But I think those are kind of two different things. I'm curious your thoughts on that. I think it's much um, of a gray area. You can kind of I'm give sure away. I don't know the the context of either one of these questions in either one of these interviews, but um, I could see where you're a situation where you're faced with, hey, is is Android and uh, is Android a competitor to Apple? And you could might say like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we do have competing platforms that we create. And then there's also the situation where it's like. Are you scared of the market share that Android is going to have in affecting iPhone sales? I was like, well, no, we sell iPhones. They don't sell. I mean, they sell Pixel phones, but no one really buys Pixel phones. They buy Samsung phones. So, like, yeah, and it's not a competitor. Like, depending on the question, the context, I could see how both of these statements could be true. I don't know yeah. the context to either one of these things, though. That's also the tricky thing about it, too, is like, oh, like the uh, one of them, the uh, Google and Apple compete in operating systems. That's from like an investor um, meeting back in like 2019 or something like that. And I didn't have time to go back and see what the context was in that conversation, if it's even possible to look that up. Um, but it, it is it just kind of strike me as odd because, like, yes, they compete in terms of features like if um, like what was I think? I can't remember who – I think uh, Google started doing like the digital well-being stuff and – which was tracking how much time you use each app, those kind oh, of right. features. And I think – I mean Apple has to look at that and say, hey, that's a feature that's built into Android now. We think people will want that. We should probably add in something like that because we need to stay competitive. I can totally see them making that decision when it comes to – hey, we need to make sure we have market share and that we're making sure that when someone goes in to buy a phone, they buy an iPhone versus, and Google is not part of that conversation. It's Samsung, it's LG, it's you know growing, it's, it's actually OnePlus now. Um, those are their competitors, but it's such a huge company and they work in so many different products. They have so many different competitors. And also um, if you think about like, when you think about operating systems, Literally, the only operating system in the world I can think of that you still pay for is Windows. Everything else yeah. is free. Android's free. Uh, the OnePlus software, I forget what they run, but it's free. iOS is free. Mac OS has mm. been free for like 10 years now. So 
Yeah. It's hard to say that you're competing like a free product with another free product where there's zero revenue linked to it, linked specifically mm-hmm. to the operating system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And with Android especially too, like, okay, Samsung phones run Android, but it's it's TouchWiz, which is like Samsung's skin on top of Android and their own you know services and apps built on top of it. So even then, it's like it is Android, but not really at the same time. Like it's also kind of its own thing. Yep. Um, like there's not one Linux. There's not one Android. It's just like a base that other companies build on top of. So, I mean, that was the crux of what Apple was was kind of asked during the um, during the trial. I do feel like is I I think people kind of know that I'm definitely very much not understanding where Epic is coming from on on the whole situation. I just don't think they have any case whatsoever. That's been my kind of take on it. I did notice that the judge was very heavily in question of in-app purchases and whether or not it is okay for Apple to do that. So I'm starting to think that as a result of this trial, that might start to come into question. I didn't put this in the notes. I apologize. There was one part where um, uh, Judge Rogers basically told like, Tim Cook, I can see how you make money by introducing the customer and the developer. And then it's their relationship from there on out. But it's in, I think her exact quote was like, but it seems like you're just profiting off of their relationship at a certain point, hmm. which I don't see it that way. I can explain it in a second, but it does show that she views the in-app purchase model as a problem. And I don't think she understands why having different payment options from different companies at the end of it wouldn't make a lot of sense. I feel like she's very much pressuring Apple on that. So I would not be surprised if that is an outcome of this, is that that gets brought into question in a legal sense. But I read a, I read an it, article similar that's like, it seems like the judge might be leaning towards perhaps just a compromise where – you have to now be able to link out to a, a website mm-hmm. or link out to the Kindle store or link out to whatever for alternate payments if you want, or at least let people know yeah. they exist. Yeah. Because right now the wording, like you're not even allowed, like Netflix is not even mm-hmm. allowed to say, hey, you can't pay for this here. Go to Netflix.com and sign up and then come back. Like they literally aren't allowed to tell you that. All they have to do is say, once you have a membership, you can put it in here. Mm-hmm. That's it. They can't tell you how to get it. Yeah, it, that that part I do think is is strange. Like, if they're not going to offer payment in the app, I do think they should be able to say at least like, "Hey, sign up for Netflix," as opposed to like, "Once you have a membership." Like, I think they could be a little bit more direct about that. But I, I can see why they couldn't put a link in, because okay, I, and I talked about this in the grind episode as well. But when I, I can totally see this happening. Oh, we charge $9.99 for the app in the App Store. But now that Apple's changed the rules and we can do our own payment option once you're in the app, well, we're just going to make the app free. And then when you open up the app, it's like, hey, go to this website and then you can pay um, pay for it there. Why wouldn't a company do that? It seems really strange. Like we go to – I use the Target example 
a lot, but you go to Target, you buy cereal. Imagine like, you know, Kellogg's being like, hey, I saw you bought that, grab that cereal off the shelf. Just walk out of the store and pass the registers. uh, Tony the Tiger is going to be out there with a credit card swipe and you can just pay (laughs) him directly. That never makes sense. That would never work. That's kind of what that compromise would lead to. It's very strange to me. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Or... In a more yeah. um, obviously, Tony the Tiger wouldn't be waiting out there for you. But maybe you buy a box, <laughs> you buy a box of cereal or a box of something, and you just walk out of Target for free. You don't pay a thing, and then you get home and you're like, "Cool, go to this website, pay for something, and the code will unlock the box for you." And it's like, "Oh, cool. Well, why the fuck did Target even have to be part of that? Where does Target get their mm-hmm. due?" Yeah, and here's actually I just thought of the just this right now. Square card readers, they used to do this thing where. It was a free product. If you went to um, Square's website, you could just order a Square card reader. They ship it to you for free. And then after every transaction you would use on it, they would take like 2% or something like that of each transaction. But you could buy them in the store for 10 bucks. Why 10 bucks? Well, they put a voucher inside of the box to reimburse you afterwards. They had to have the $10 there because they had to give some sort of a cut to Best Buy or Target or whatever store that was sold in because Best Buy or Target would never allow a product to be sold in the store for 100, like 100% for free while using their shelves, while like going through their inventory systems, all that kind of stuff. There is no reason that Best Buy should have to do that. So that's why they, they that's why Square had that kind of unique arrangement you, you could say but square needed that publicity square needed the shelf space square needed best buy to promote the product exactly exactly so that's everything with the the trial itself we'll get updates probably next week there'll be some more updates um based on how the the closing arguments go and then hopefully at some point in the summer we'll get the verdict on it i'm really really curious how it's going to play out um okay so there was a few insights about the gaming industry that were revealed from the lawsuit that were interesting. The first one is that Fortnite has plans. This, this is old stuff, so you might have all seen this before, but I, I kind of waited to talk about all this. Fortnite has plans for Samus the Rocks, and the Rock skins according to internal Epic documents. It's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, not the movie The Rock from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I'm, I'm upset about this one. Why? Because... I, I don't want to play Fortnite. I never want to play Fortnite. I just don't oh, care about it. But if Samus yeah. is in Fortnite. I specifically said at one point a while ago that if Samus ever came to Fortnite, I'd consider it. <laughs> I said that thinking it would never actually happen. <laughs> and then rumors. this gets leaked. This makes sense because there were rumors that this was going to happen right after Master Chief and then Kratos. And they're like, all right, the third one's coming from Nintendo. It's going to be Samus. And then nothing. Ghost Town. these next two are nintendo related i find these hilarious because they're total clickbait (laughs) the epic versus apple lawsuit might have revealed phil spencer's nintendo secret says kate gray at nintendo life in an email exchange between tim sweeney and phil spencer phil spencer says this and never mentions Nintendo specifically. I did just want to let you know that I have your point on xCloud on other consoles. Haven't given up. And then free to play outside of gold. We'll get there. Um, when we get there, I'll want to partner with you. We told that to Tom Sweeney. But he's like, hey, we want xCloud on different consoles. And everyone's like, oh, Nintendo? Nintendo's getting Nintendo's getting xCloud? I think it's, we don't first know of that. all, it's easy to draw that because they have a partnership. 
Banjo Kazooie yeah. in Smash, all that kind of stuff. But also like Sony's gonna be like over my fucking dead body if we're gonna be the first ones to have a competing service on our thing, <laughs> which we'll find out here in a couple stories. Yes, we'll talk about that. And yeah, you're totally right. It would make the most sense if Nintendo was was the one they ended up partnering on that. Absolutely. I still don't think it's going to happen. And also, this doesn't even say it is happening. He's just like, hey, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't happened. We have nothing for you, but we're, we're trying. And, and it's not um, even like a, it's not even like a, hey, it's going to happen, or hey, we're pushing for it, or hey, we're trying. It's just like, we haven't given up. Like, we've been shot we down a lot, up. but we just like... We've still got one guy just pestering them with emails, hoping it comes through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Nintendo and Epic uh, and uh, Xbox related, the Apple versus Epic lawsuit has uh, lawsuit has sparked Xbox Game Pass on Switch rumors again. Says Damian McFerrin at Nintendo Life. This is based on redacted information, so it's widely open to speculation. But essentially, Microsoft is pursuing to get Game Pass on other consoles. It's unredact- in unredacted segments. It doesn't say anything about Nintendo specifically. It just says, "Hey, we're looking to get Game Pass on other consoles," and then literally an entire after that, immediately an entire page of just redacted. I don't it's know how anyone knows in, that Nintendo is talking in about in four hundred point font. It's just Nvidia Shield. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, again, to the same point you made earlier, it makes the most sense Nintendo be involved in that, but there's really nothing to base it on, and it's just them saying, like, we're trying. We're yeah. trying to get this to happen. I mean, do you think you will ever see that in the future? Oh, in the future, absolutely. In the future, I don't think we're going to have um, platforms. We're going to have a screen, and you subscribe to a service that is Nintendo or PlayStation or Xbox. But I think that there will be a time yeah. when there is like a hybrid, like there will be some kind of hardware and you have multiple of those providers on that one piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's possible before we get to yeah. everything being a service. Yeah, once cloud gaming becomes so good that most people, including like us who are very into games, would say, I might as well just do the cloud version. I don't need to buy the physical version of this console. Or even if, um, it, even if it's not like a console, like it, it could be an Apple TV device or a Google, something, whatever. You can't download anything to yeah. Google. But like you could have a hard drive and you download the game. But it's still like, mm-hmm. it's like downloading a Netflix movie to your iPad versus downloading an Amazon Prime movie to your iPad. Like it's, the iPad is a thing, but it's a different service. You're still downloading it, not necessarily streaming it. Mm-hmm. Like that future is out there. Will they have haptics? That's all I care about. They need to have haptics still. They already Otherwise, have haptics via mm-mm. remote play on iPad. Boom. All right. I'm happy then. Yep. Steven said in the chat, people are spending way too much time looking for smoking guns. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally Smoking's agree. not even cool anymore. Yeah. A lot of these st- – I didn't even include most of the stories on on here of like, you know, the secret revealed or how like companies are upset all the secrets being revealed. Like nothing has been revealed. They're actually really trying to prevent the secrets from coming out. Anyway. Uh, the last story here on the Epic Apple stuff, this one is, yeah, Steve just says this is all super bullshit. <laughs> yep. You think that's what his little stars say? I think it's these... super diapers. <laughs> I think uh, Steven's talking about just the secrets, uh, but I think the whole thing is super bullshit. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> can you actually see, does it, it actually say bullshit in the chat on your screen? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it must be an app thing. Mine just comes up as asterisks in the app. Really? No, yeah, mine yeah. says bullshit. And Dallas up there says guns out, blank, 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 out. Don't even see it. Oh, he says guns out, comes out. So, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> okay, sorry I didn't laugh harder at that, Dallas. Yeah. I want to figure out how to uncensor myself. 
I am totally censored. Twitch is, is shutting me down. I can't speak my mind. Freedom of speech is dead. All right, the last one here. And I think this is really telling. I said the whole, like, this is all bullshit. This is a story to me that I feel like is really definitively shows how much this is all bullshit from Epic just suing Apple and, and their intentions and everything. Sony makes Epic Games pay for Fortnite crossplay. So Sony gets compensated when a PlayStation user spends an excessive amount of time playing Fortnite using content acquired outside of the PlayStation ecosystem. So you buy a bunch of stuff from uh, for Fortnite on iOS, but you end up playing it all on your PlayStation. Sony will get compensated for that. Here's what I think is the shitty part about this. Two things. One, this occurred because of the negotiations to get crossplay on PlayStation in the first place. Number two, uh, the court documents show that Apple was approached by Epic to do crossplay. And here's what Apple said. Nothing like this. Apple just said, cool, great, we'd love to do it. We're going to change our guidelines for you. We're going to create safety guidelines um, for this, and we're going to create the APIs to make this possible. Thank you for the suggestion, Epic. Epic is going to Apple and saying, you're a monopoly and abusing your power. And Sony's like, give us money. We're not doing this until you give us more money. But they're not looking at Sony. Oh, God forbid. No, you can't go after Sony for this. But Apple, the one who's really, really helpful for you with getting crossplay, uh-uh. They're problematic. Yeah, the one that says, anytime oh, somebody plays on that me. Batman's skin on my game console, you're going to pay me money. <laughs> if they want that Master Chief Halos and they're going to play on my PlayStation, you get me money. <laughs> so, yeah, Sony doesn't abuse their position at all. They're great. They're really open and accepting and just warm. Just warm. Warm. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. I We're done talking about Apple Epic now. The whole thing really irritates me. So I'm kind of glad to be done talking about this. Um, but do you have anything you want to add before we, we move on? No. I, well, there is one thing I want to add, and that is Porkchop yeah. in the chat says, building Legos while I watch. And uh, Porkchop, send us a pic at Responding Fire on Twitter. Show us what you're mm -hmm. building. It better be a Nintendo Lego set. Also, what did Dallas say? Because it's all asterisks. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas says, comes out of my dick because Chad's arms are fucking sexy. <laughs> yes. All right, all right, all right. I thought about Chad should turn this into before. a hot tub stream, so you should just record this from your hot tub. Because that's allowed now. Things are gonna get easier. Stephen says, you might be done for this week. Well, yeah, we're done for this week, but... uh. It's going to come back at some point. It's going to come back. Oh, that, I think I forget. I can't remember if I said this or not. I did the whole like there'll be some sort of compensation or a compromise on in-app purchases. Apple's going to appeal that. They're never going to go through. They're just going to appeal that. And then they're going to keep this in litigation until they get a judge that they like and who does what they want. And then when they get what they want, then Epic will appeal and it'll just go on forever. That's how I picture this playing out. Uh, Steven, don't tell me that I'm not done with the story. I really want to be done with the story. I have spent way too much time. I'm done. We are <laughs> just done, done for with it, it for today. For today. Chad, let's do something fun. Let's go to playtime. What did you play this week? I played Destiny 2 Holden. Destiny 2, I'm back. Electric Boogaloo. Who are you, Lindy Sue Who? <laughs> I'm back. I'm back, Holden. <laughs> yesterday, we attempted. Okay, the Vault of Glass raid went live yesterday. If you're unfamiliar, Vault of Glass was the very first raid in Destiny 1. I never played it because I didn't have friends back then. I only had enemies 
and a particular set of skills. <laughs> and this time, uh, I, I hopped in with Trevor and his group of his his galley full of pirates. Um, and going into it, they had all run it before, all the way back to Destiny 1. So I was like, cool, this is going to go pretty quick. And Trevor's like, oh, this could be like last time. It's going to be a shitty run. And maybe, maybe it'll take us like three hours. It took us almost two hours to do the very first encounter of like seven or eight encounters. And we were like, whoa, whoa. If you are unfamiliar, there's a new thing that's happening recently in like the last two years where Destiny, when they release a raid for the first 24 hours, are doing contest mode where everyone, to, in order to make the sprint to be the first in the world to, to finish it and get the giant cool belt and all that kind of stuff, um, everyone is brought to the same light level and it's made a little bit harder for the first 24 hours. So uh, the same was done for this raid yesterday and we were all... We were all banging our heads against the wall. It was it was still really fun. There was a moment, maybe about an hour and a half into the first encounter, where we're like, y'all, let's just come back tomorrow. And then th our luck started to turn around a little bit. Mostly because, here's the first encounter. I'm going to describe it to you. There are three, I know you know nothing about this, and you're just like smiling and nodding. You're like, this is cute, I'm just Chad, smiling and nodding. But I'm um, so happy you're happy about it, but I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the first encounter <laughs> is there are three areas. Um, three little circles where Vex appear and you have to de destroy them and you have to stand in the gates. And when all three of them are activated at once, then a, a pillar starts to form and, and be built in the middle of the stage. If one group fails and Vex come and start taking over, then the pillar starts to disappear again. The issue with this one is that you have infinite revives in this first area. And so you don't have the breather of like, all right, we all just fucking died. Whew. You are dead screen. It loads. We think of another strategy. And then we try it again. It is literally just like it was an hour and 45 minutes of dying, 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 dying. I'm dying. Trevor dies. I revived Trevor. We both died. This happened. And it's, it's exhausting. Um, but we finally <laughs> got through that. And we were like, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a little bit of a struggle. Got to the second encounter. It was also super hard. We spent, uh, after five hours, we got through the first two encounters. And then we got to the third one. We spent about an hour and a half, almost two hours on it. And we're like, okay, uh, let's break for our celebratory Domino's pizza. Because that's the thing you do. On, on raids, you all eat Domino's pizza. Um, I actually think Joel might have been the only one who did it. Maybe Kyle St. James. No, Kyle St. James had spaghetti. But Joel had Domino's pizza. And then uh, as a group, we decided, you know what? Um, when we break for Domino's pizza, we're not coming back. And so we didn't. But contest Ooh. mode is over. Trevor and friends are attempting it right now as we speak. Um, there has already been a world's first. There was a world's first while we were playing while we were playing it. So I'm excited to go back and attempt the raid again after it's not as hard as it was. Uh, but that might not be till Memorial Day for me. But anyway, it Brent. was wonderful. So good. Oh, Brent has a pick pick. Brent showed off. He has a pick pick. This is it right here. It's not Nintendo, nice. but it is Star Wars, and that's the Emperor's plane, I think. Yeah, it doesn't look like you got very far, Brent. You posted that about 30 minutes ago you were working on them legs. I just see a bunch of pieces on the table. He's having fun, okay? I believe Don't him. make fun of our son and his <laughs> achievements. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yes, so very excited about that. But immediately as I jumped in, I had I have not played anything this season. I haven't played Destiny in about maybe two months. Immediately, the very first thing was like, 
oh, fuck, this game feels good. Why did I ever quit? I'm, I am sucked back in, Holden. And this season includes this new synthesis process where you can take anything you've ever, any piece of armor you've ever gotten, and you can unlock it as um, just like a cosmetic that you can put on at any time. And so I unlocked the entire raid outfit from Deep Stone Crypt that we got a couple of months ago, and I look so badass right now. There are new <laughs> weapons. I'm out there doing all sorts of new shit. I don't even know what's going on right now, but it's fun. <gasps> there is. Okay, there's this new event called Override. And um, I'm mostly just describing this right now in hopes that I can convince Dallas and Matt to stay up late again and have us do this again because it's really, really freaking cool. It is basically like small, tiny, easier raid encounters or six-man teams. They're match-made, but you're killing a bunch of shit. You're going into this thing. You're picking up little artifact keys. You're coming back through. You're banking them in this thing. There's moats everywhere. It's just a ton of fun, and it looks fucking cool. It's in like this Vex. You're in the Vex world, so it's like the cyber, like... Um, I don't know, like that 80s. I think I've seen Tron that type style before. Is it's that so brand new? Cool. I feel like I've seen that before. It, the way that it looks now is brand new. You, you, it has not shown okay. its face in Destiny before, but it, it's super fucking oh, okay. cool. So I'm really loving playing it. And apparently, just like last season, we're going to be getting different ones of these every single week, uh, like we got of the Battlegrounds last week so, or last season. So I'm very pumped. <laughs> I'm sucked back in. This spells disaster for Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, because if I'm this deep into <laughs> Destiny, and I have three vacations, and I'm moving in June, and all, Red Dead Two, man, rest in peace. If you I beat might the Prolog's lullaby, <laughs> yeah. no, I won't make you do that. You're good. Uh, Steven said, "Hold looks like he's about to fall asleep." I'm not about to fall asleep, but what I was thinking about most of the time that Chad was talking about is that scene inviting Nemo, where the little dude crush is like explaining what they're gonna do when they get into the current. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's just like, first you're gonna go in, you're gonna like be like, whoa, and then he's just like going and doing his whole thing. And Martin's just like, I don't know what he's <laughs> saying. It's like he's talking or something. I don't know what half the things he said. But no, but um, seriously though, um, the whole like destiny feel that you were talking about, yeah, is the main reason why I would ever contemplate playing that game seriously because it is one of the best feeling shooters, period. Like, absolutely, period. It feels fantastic. Much better than if you want to segue into Zombie Army 4. Yeah, we played Zombie Army 4 for uh, game night this week. Um, uh, good old Alex Cozina joined us. We went through as a squad shooting zombies, shooting tougher zombies, shooting zombies with flamethrowers. Um, and you know what? It it was a it was a pretty enjoyable experience. It's not it a was, deep game. Yeah. It is not no. a difficult game. It is... A lot of just like going through environments and clearing rooms while you talk to friends on voice chat. Uh, and for that, I was grateful for it. I liked it a lot. If you're looking for a deep, yeah. like Call of Duty Zombies type experience, maybe look elsewhere. But it was free on PlayStation Plus. So uh, that's why we picked it. And I had a I had pretty good time with it. I would not have paid money for yeah, it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I wouldn't have paid money for it either, but I'm glad I played it. it. You're right. It's not hard, but it does strike this balance of still being intense while not being super difficult. There's yeah. lots of stuff happening at a given time. There's tons of zombies everywhere. Sometimes they'll come from behind you and you get a little spooked when you get attacked from behind. There's like some a lot happening and it's definitely exciting and engaging um, throughout. I d- didn't even know there were three other of these games, but there are apparently. Yeah, this is Zombie Army 4. But yeah, I think I would definitely play this again. I think I would. Maybe not like a consistent game night game, but like, yeah, if we wanted to jump in and play a little bit of Zombie Ember 4, yeah, 
That was a good time. Yeah. Good time. Although you are forced into using a rifle with a scope, and I felt like I had to use the scope to be accurate. That part I didn't like so much. I would have liked if I kind of got a um, like aim down sights like you get in a lot of other shooters. I think I would have preferred that as opposed to looking through the scope. But other than that, I liked it. It was a good time. What'd you play? Um, I have been I've been going through my backlog and just trying to clear up my backlog as much as possible. I was going through Gravity Rush last week i'm about halfway through that now but i do want to go back and play it um i just i wanted to switch to something non-playstation for a while because i'm playing a lot of playstation stuff so i went to nintendo land and i beat new super mario bros u deluxe knocked that off my backlog here's the thing about new super mario bros u deluxe you might have played it before it's called new super mario bros new super mario bros 2 and new super mario bros (laughs) wii it's the same exact thing it's just called new super mario bros u instead um, I really could not tell you what differed about this game other than the acorn suit thing, the squirrel suit, flying squirrel thing. That that was, like, the main difference. It got kind of hard at the end, but, I mean, it is a 2D side-scrolling New Super Mario Bros. game, which they need to stop calling this New Super Mario Bros. because it's been around for, like, 16 years now, and they also just need to not make these games anymore. I'm fine. <laughs> I get it. It's It's done. Make new, new Super Mario Bros. Oh, that new. And try something different. Uh, Because I'd like to... I don't want 2D to go away, because Odyssey kind of showed how you can still do some really clever things with 2D, even though that's not a pure 2D game. So I don't know. I'm ready for something new with 2D Mario. Or just, like, if they don't have any new ideas, then just scrap it and just invest heavily in Super Mario Maker 3. I'd much rather see that as the future for 2D Mario. Um, Paper Mario, the Origami King. I also played that. And I continued playing it because I stopped like midway through. And I don't even remember why I stopped. But goddamn, I'm really, really enjoying this game going back into it. I I have a feeling I stopped because it got samey and kind of repetitive with its combat and all that. Like the puzzle mechanic of and, and how the combat works was getting repetitive. But I stopped right before it changed and started getting interesting. <laughs> so oh, okay. I'm really, really into this. It. Um, so anyone who doesn't remember, oop, I just unclapsed my Apple Watch. Oops. Ow, I just hurt my hand. Okay. Um, <laughs> basically how the the game works is I'm suing Apple. This is ridiculous. <laughs> the stupid Apple Watch bands. Um, when you're in combat, you basically are in the center of a giant circle, and there's like four different levels of the circle with enemies on each level and you rotate each level of the circle so that you can position them so they're all in a straight line or all in a group of four and it's a little puzzle to figure out how to do that and they kind of just kept doing that over and over again throughout the game but they started doing cool things with it they introduced the booze and the booze will disappear so you don't you have to remember the replacement and know how it's changing when you move them around like they start doing some fun stuff like that like made it much more enjoyable they had a really fun boss battle where the boss is a hole puncher and he will hole punch paper mario so you lose your max health and then you have to find the piece on the board you're playing oh. on and move to it to get it back like it really it was really really fun i'm totally back into it again it's charming. It also had a surprisingly heartfelt moment. And I'm like, in a Mario game, I'm getting the feels right now. No way, but I did. Really, really enjoyable. And I'm kind of glad I went back into it because I kind of felt like I I stopped 
right before it got good again. When, so uh, I'm totally on board. When was that? Because I stopped right in the middle of the second blue ribbon. Uh, of the second ribbon, the blue one. Like after you fight okay, the so colored after, pencils and then... Yeah, the colored pencils are fun. Um, so after that, you go... There's a little bit of a setup. You go to like... You get meet this new character called Bobby, who's one of the bob And then you end yep. up going to yep. Peach's Yacht. You do a thing there. And then after that, you go to um, – I'll say after that, that's when it gets good. After Peach's Yacht, that's when it gets really good again. Um, I really like it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's a good one. On the plane, too, I noticed battery life does not drain very fast in this game for some reason. So that's a good plane game. Yeah. But that's what I played this week. Chad, Sweet are you ready to move on to the quest log? Let's do it. Let's jump in. <laughs> All right, so starting off the Microsoft Quest log, which is just one large story, basically. What is happening with Starfield? Uh, Let's talk about the first little bit here about consoles, and then release date is after that. So we'll start with consoles. Report, Starfield PS5 not happening. It will be exclusive to Xbox and PC, says Chandler Wood at PlayStation Lifestyle. Jeff Grubb, who's kind of been uh, pretty prominent recently. He also says that it will be exclusive to Xbox and PC. He goes far as claiming this is confirmed, which doesn't leave any wiggle room for this potentially being on PS5, which shouldn't be surprised at this point. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, maybe a lot of this acquisition was hinged around, like, we're getting you because of Starfield. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah. I was looking at, at oh, oh, I was looking at our fantasy critic dot games. Guess Matt's who has Starfield? <laughs> it's Matt. It's Matt. Yeah. That poor man is just getting shit on left and right with this this fantasy critic. I feel bad because I was the one saying it's for sure happening this year. Yeah, it's got to be. They just put the copyright for it and everything. Um, we'll talk about that uh, in a second. But um, yeah, the only way that Starfield would have come to PS5 at this point is if there was already a contract to include it on PS5. Right. But if they were just making a PS5 version just to make one to have it available, Microsoft cut that as like probably one of their first moves. There's no way they're going to let this unless there's something business related tying them to it. So and it sounds like it might be far surprising. enough out that there probably wasn't a contract yet. Yes. Well, maybe. I don't know. So maybe. I don't know. So, all right. So, there is a Starfield release date was reportedly confirmed by Industry Insider, says Soham Ran at DualShockers. This is also Jeff Grubb, who claimed that uh, it's going to be shown off this year at E3 and then released early next year. But then this guy named Luke Stevens, who makes video essays on YouTube, um, he sent the following tweet. Apparently, Starfield has been pretty, quote, pretty much done since September of last year. Um, BGS, Bethesda Game Studios, has spent this year polishing it and refining the next-gen port. I'm told they're trying to, quote, make up for Fallout 76 and deliver a game that's, quote, polished to perfection. Coming this year. Watch. But very quickly, he was shut down. Jason Schreier rebuked the claim and said, rumors like this keep floating around. He retweeted or uh, quote tweeted Luke specifically. Rumors like this keep floating around, but Starfield is nowhere near done. According to several people familiar with development, it'll be at E3, and pl- um, but the planned release date um, I've heard is way later than most people expect, sharing that so folks keep their expectations in check. So many others uh, chimed in saying, yes, I've heard the same thing. And then 
to disagree with Luke Stevens was also Luke Stevens, who tweeted, LOL, so I just learned that the source was um, was released a couple weeks ago um, from his contracted position. He was disgruntled and thought it'd be funny to send me some disinformation on his way out. You got me. Kind of funny. Point is, this is wrong. The actual target release um, release date is end of next year. So now it seems like 2022 is more likely, but an ETH reveal is still coming at Microsoft's joint conference with Bethesda. Chad, thoughts? My thought is I remember seeing a tweet from you this week that says, end of first quarter next year at the latest. Yep. And now I'm like, ha, 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 You fell for Luke Stevens' trap. The whole time Luke Stevens was an inside No, mole. that was in... That was in response. That was in response to his second tweet that it's coming out uh, end of next year. I I'm still not convinced it's coming out end of next year. I'm still not. I know that seems crazy right now. I I think it's still. I think it's going to be 2022 at this point. I would not be surprised if it still fall uh, end of this year. But I think that like first half of 2022 at the latest is still what I'm I'm thinking on this. Ah wow okay okay okay. Um, I mean, if Jason Schreier and a bunch of other people are like, listen, keep your expectations in check. This shit is not ready. Jason Schreier said later than most people expect. Most people have expected end of this year. So first half of next year still falls into what Jason Schreier is is saying. I don't know if that's much enough in my brain. But I hope you're right. I hope that we're playing this game on my Xbox Series X so that I can turn it on for some reason. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not super attached to that, but kind of my thought is one possibility that would push it to the end of 2022 is that Microsoft normally wouldn't have announced this this year, nor would Bethesda have because they like to announce then release shortly after as they did with Fallout 76 and Fallout 4, their latest biggest, um, their latest big releases. But Microsoft really needs to show at E3, hey, we got exclusive games that you're going to want, so please buy an Xbox Series X. So from that perspective, it does make sense to say, hey, Todd Howard, we are going to announce this a year earlier than maybe you had wanted to because we want to to, to push it um, for our console. But the thing I keep holding on to is they changed the copyright to they added the copyright for Starfield for 2021. You don't need to do that when you're marketing a game. You only need to do that when you're selling a game. And the copyright on their website is 2021. That happened in like the past few weeks. I checked on Wayback Machine. Throughout all of 2020, the bottom of Starfield's page just said, copyright Bethesda, copyright Bethesda. I kept checking up until like March of of uh, this year. It still said 2020 Bethesda and then they changed it in around like somewhere April or May Wayback Machine doesn't update every single day so like I don't know for sure but it then changed to copyright Starfield 2021 which they've never done that before they only do that when they're about to release a game that's that's the thing that I keep going back to is a lot of this is journalists talking and I'm sure they have good sources um the copyright is a company action and putting money down to get that copyright and file the paperwork to get that done. So I just keep having that in the back of my mind. That's kind of where I'm coming from and why I keep going back and forth. So there's the copyright thing. But there's also the I can understand Microsoft announcing this earlier just so they can say they have an exclusive game that's really big people want. So I'm kind of like caught between the two. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's soon and I hope it's good. I really, really want to play my Xbox for something other than Halo Master Chief Collection this year. 
which will now include a new Halo game. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm assuming it would be added to Master Chief Collection eventually. Uh, maybe. I mean, I guess like they eventually. got all of them there eventually. Reach was not part of it, but now I guess it is, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I hope Starfield's next year personally because I don't want to play that on an Xbox One. I want to play that on a Series X, and I don't foresee myself... A, being able to get one, both just from a, I'm in school and finishing up school. I don't want to put $500 down on a console right now. And also, even if I was putting $500 down on a console, could I get one? Probably not. Right. So I'd rather it come out next year when I can get a Series X. But you could probably stream, it, it, stream it through Game Pass Ultimate to a tiny phone. Oh, that's a great experience. Yeah. I can't wait to see a compressed 4K image. That's going to be awesome. On your Very uh, exciting. 1440p screen. I don't know size screen you have but oh it's a it's a 10r so i have a um 768p resolution iphone there you go there you go boom Perfect. it's higher than 720p that's right all y'all 20p chums 720p chums <laughs> moving on to the nintendo quest log new zelda and loftwing amiibo join skyward sword hd this july says Brian Shea at Game Informer. It's an Amiibo. It has Zelda and a Loftwing in it. It looks as good as any other Amiibo. You know what you're getting for. But there's a controversy with this one. There's a fast travel mechanic that already exists in Skyward Sword, but it works by hitting certain access points, and you can only fast travel to fast travel points, and you have to travel to a fast travel point to fast travel. So what the Amiibo does is it unlocks it. So you can just fast travel to any one of those fast travel points no matter what, wherever you are, even if you're in the middle of a dungeon. You just tap the Amiibo and you get this fast travel capability. And it's really seeming to upset people who are kind of doing the whole uh, Nintendo's nickel and diming and hiding features behind a paywall. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's, yeah it's, it's not a huge story, but it just it's, it's getting a lot of attention. Here's why I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this because one, it's a game that already exists. Like it, it, I understand game preservation. Like they want to, to make this aside from changing the control scheme completely. They want to try to make this, you know, a faithful adaptation and just an HD remake of it. Um, so I get that. And then also it's, it's uh, a convenience feature. I, I understand. I haven't played Skyward Sword, but I understand that the fast travel is a point of contention. It's not a good part of the game. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a frustrating part of the game, which is why this opening that up and making it easier to do is such a desirable feature. Locked behind a piece of merchandise that will undoubtedly be incredibly hard to find. Um, but, I mean, if you think of other things that have done this as well, if you think about the... The, the closest one I could think of was Shadow of Mordor. Or the Shadow of War, the, the sequel to it. When they were like, it's a single-player game. It doesn't matter. But if you want, you can pay 10 bucks and unlock a thing that lets you double the experience that you get and level up much faster. And then it turns out that like a lot of the game was just padded and a grind and awful to, to work through. And that's kind of the Give closest thing I could think is of. basically right, so is. Pay $10, get through the game faster and better and more efficiently and mm -hmm. have a better experience with it. And that's kind of what this is, except there's the nostalgia aspect. So like if it was purely, if it was a brand new Zelda game and it's like the only way to get around really quick and have a good time with this game is this Amiibo, I'd be more upset with it. But because it's a classic game and there's that little bit of preservation and it's like you're, you're going to play the game as it was meant to be, like it was intended, I don't give a shit. I mean, cool that it's there, 
believe me, I used the shit out of those types of features during Final Fantasy IX for our barf. 999 damage, <laughs> double the speed. I did all of that shit. But, like, you're playing a remake of a Wii U game. Come on, guys. I don't give a shit. Be upset. I don't give a shit. I'm, you be upset about what you want to be upset about, as long as you don't hurt people. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, don't storm the capital because of this amiibo. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Yeah. I'm I'm in agreement with you. I don't like it doesn't really bother me that much. This is certainly not the first time Nintendo has done this with Zelda, uh, Twilight Princess. If you had to ha- if you had the Wolf Link amiibo, you could access the Cave of Ordeals, and it's this whole new like part of the game with like 50 different floors to go through and battle enemies. If you had that amiibo, you could unlock Wolf Link in Breath of the Wild. And have that in Breath of the Wild. There are different outfits and suits that were tied to different amiibo. Like they've, this is not new to, to Zelda, uh, and amiibo. This is kind of what Nintendo always promised amiibo was going to be. Yeah, because they've always said, like, hey, you're gonna have these toys, and you can tap them to get new things in the game. I can see why people are frustrated by it because. Ocarina of Time, actually pretty much every 3D Zelda game has a play this instrument to fast travel at any point you want to to these specific points. Um, but Skyward Sword didn't have that, and now they're kind of putting it in, but putting it behind a paywall. Like I can see why it's frustrating, but it's also totally unsurprising. It would be as if they started charging you for a new Super Mario Bros. game on the next console that you already bought on this console. Like th- This is just like practices we know Nintendo has done. It's like, yeah, we can get upset about it, but until you start voting with your wallet and not selling these things out the instant they come out, it's never going to change. So it should just be expected. Yep. I'm totally a pessimist on this one. Life sucks. <laughs> just expect it. Um, yeah. So good for everyone. Yay. The Nintendo Amiibo. This is why I don't <laughs> like get Amiibos, to be honest. I just feel like it's pointless. Um, Third party question, though. Little banjo. Oh yeah, I do have not my, uh... shit with him, but I just like him because it's Link. It's cool. I wanted it. I don't know what this does if you tap it into a Zelda game or any game. I have no idea. I don't care. It's a figurine. That's what I have it for. It's cool. Anyway, third party quest log. What's not going to be at E3? We have two stories here. Of one's official, one's a rumor. Uh, and it's from Jeff Grubb. We'll start with Jeff Grubb one because he's just all over. He's Man, just, he yeah. is the news. He is the news. He is Elden the Ring. rumored news. <laughs> he is. Everyone's just telling him <laughs> yeah. all sorts of secret shit. Yeah, and he's just telling us all the secrets. Whether or not they're true, who, know, who knows? Elden Ring Hen- Hellblade 2 might not be at E3 2021. So Jeff Grubb says that those games won't be at the Microsoft event. He just calls it the Microsoft event specifically. Technically, it could be somewhere else, but... Obviously, Hellblade, where else is that going to be? Elden Ring was first shown off at Microsoft's event. It's probably going to end up there if it were to be at E3. So, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, especially because I felt like Hellblade 2 is like the most... Uh, aside from Halo Infinite, like that's probably the game that had been worked on longest for Xbox and that we were going to see first for the next consoles. And things, but So... If that's not going to even be at their conference, then it's probably not even going to come out this year. Actually, we already got confirmation it's not coming out this year, right? Well, I don't think we've got confirmation. Connecting some dots, we have confirmation. We know that game is going to be a Series X exclusive. I mean, just look at it. That's not a last-gen game. That game looks insanely gorgeous. They showed it off as like a what this console is capable of. And they all said there's nothing coming out this year that's going to be exclusive to Series X. So I think you can kind of connect those dots and say it's not coming anyway. Elden Ring, however... 
Um, I'm just super bummed about about that. It's just not. I'm so sad for you. I'm very bummed about. I'm. I'm at this point. I've accepted it's not coming out this year. As much as I want it to, it's what? not coming out this year. I'm. It's like I'm telling myself that. That way, if it doesn't come out this year, I'm extra excited. But I'm not like butt hurt when it doesn't come out this year. So it's it's a, it's a self defense mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's also good to know that ahead of going into E3 because I truly would have been expecting it yeah. to show up in some capacity, like, even if it's coming would. next year. Yeah, how would you not expect yeah. a trailer for Elden? We've gotten a we've gotten a teaser for Elden Ring. Why would we not get a trailer a whole two year years or something ago. later? Yeah, two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, damn, George R. R. Martin just needs to get better at writing <laughs> faster. <laughs> damn it. No, apparently he's done with his part in it, but I couldn't resist. It's just the easy joke to make with George R. R. Martin. <laughs> the one we know for sure is not coming at E3 is Hollow Knight Silk Song. Team Cherry, the developers of that game, have just straight up said we are not going to be at E3. But they did say it's coming out this year, right? They're just like, we don't have anything for e- that's ready for E3. I don't think they've said that. I- I've been saying that for sure. But as we can tell from this whole episode, I am terrible at predictions. <laughs> My predictions have been absolute shit lately. Yes, who also has Hollow Knight Silk Song. <laughs> Does Matt have Hollow, Hollow Knight, Knight Silk Song? Hellblade 2, Starfield. He's got all oh, the games. No. Yep. Oh, well, here, but what's well, the positive thing about it? It's at least not negative points. It's at least not negative points. He's not going to lose points on those games. So that that's better. Um, yeah, Team Cherry does not have any plan. Oh, actually, need to open up their blog post specifically. Suppose this IGN thing. Ah, why do they do that? IGN's links are, don't actually go to. Oh, it came from. It looks like a Discord chat. With on their Discord server, it says, "Hey guys, I just wanted to pop in and let you know that Team Cherry does not have any announcements slash blogs scheduled for E3 this year. So they won't be there. They won't be talking during that time. Um, they did that Edge article beginning of this year. They were featured in Edge. It was a really good read. Really interesting. Talks a lot about the game. It sounds awesome. I can't wait for it. Um, but I was surprised that they did that and then." weren't planning on releasing this year potentially. I was talking to my brother. My brother is hardcore into Hollow Knight. Like he has played the whole game on Steel Sword mode or Steel Soul. I can't remember Steel Soul, Steel Sword. We played the whole game without dying. And your brother definitely related to me. Yes, definitely. We're definitely related. And he was, uh, he was saying that they, I was talking to him today. He was saying that they don't, want to announce the release date until they're basically done with it. So I guess it's feasible they could finish it this year and then like a week later be like, hey, it's coming out next week. They could get away with doing that. But it's just like Elden Ring. I'm just not going to expect it and then just be happy when it shows up. I feel like the constant anticipation just kind of ruins it and builds the hype up too much. Just like when it's out, it's out. Me being hyped about it isn't going to change its release date. Might. It's not. In the case of Cyberpunk, it definitely influenced them to release a shitty game because people were hyped for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Even more reason to just not hype it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, speaking of conferences, this is this kind of came out of nowhere. Summer Games Fest 2021 starts before E3 2021, says Jenny Leda at Silicon Era. So last last year, the big criticism of Summer Games Fest was two small announcements trickled across the entire summer, just diminished the the appeal and the excitement around new stuff. To wait a week and then have your announcement be Jeff Keighley holding a dual set's going, I can feel it, you guys. I can feel it. Isn't that exciting? Um, so it sounds like they've taken that to heart, and they're going to do a full two-hour show June 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern time, and it's going to have 12 games that are shown off. There will be some new games and big games, um, and there will also be new details on already announced games. And actually, I want to pull up. There's a picture that shows just a bunch of the companies that are they're partnering with, and it sounds like they got a lot of good stuff. So they have... Um, 2K games, they have Activision, EA, kind of some of the big players there. Bando Namkai. So if we do hear anything about Elden Ring, maybe it's that. Like maybe it's not going to be at E3, but maybe it'll be at that like June event, maybe. Maybe it'll be at Summer Games Fest somewhere later on in the year, because Bando Namkai is the company who uh, owns From Software. Um, what are they so, like, doing? They... 12 games over a two-hour show is one game every 10 minutes. What else is going to be there? Yeah, I don't know. They're going to have some demos of stuff, I'd imagine. Probably lots of Warframe between every single game announcement. <laughs> That's going to be there. But PlayStation's going to be there. I mean, not this event specifically, by the way. Just, like, overall, Summer Games Fest, yeah. these companies will be there. So, I mean, there's some there's some big stuff. Um, Xbox will be there, too, so maybe we'll see some more stuff from them. Interestingly, Amazon Games is going to be there. I'd like to see Ooh, what they show off. because they canceled something they else in- recently. They canceled something else recently. They also put in $500 million every year on on their games and in their infrastructure for gaming. And they haven't shown up that much about it. So I'm always curious, like, what they're going to do. Um, I think that's a big story in the gaming sphere. Yeah. Um, what is your excitement for Summer Games Fest like right now? None, none excitement. Especially none excitement. that it's Not even the larger Thursday event. at 2 in the afternoon Eastern time. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. At least, at least E3 is like, we're going to put the bulk of our shit on the weekend. And then one thing at 7 o'clock on a Monday night so that everyone can watch it. But two on a Thursday? Yeah, so um, I will watch it. I will not be expecting a ton, and I will probably be whelmed. And whelmed isn't bad. Whelmed is not bad. No, whelmed is not bad. Yeah, I, I'm not getting my hype up too much for it. I am excited to see what some of these big companies will you know show off in whatever capacity. Um, but I, I am excited to see what they do for the two-hour show. I feel like they – that's a big deal. It's close to E3. And I, I don't know. I feel like it would just be like a bad move to do a two-hour show right before E3 and not have it be exciting. Remember, they're going to have what Summer of... Games Fest was last year. So Yeah, music <laughs> performances – you gotta, you know, Jeff Keeler loves oh. those music performances too. Oh God, I I don't like the music performances. I think they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the um, Schick Hydro Man is there, and then he can just when dance Schick in Hydro between Man shows segments. Up, I will jizz. <laughs> Speaking of Chad jizzing, the plot synopsis for Sonic's second movie outing has been revealed. Says Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. The synopsis comes from a copyright filing. Here is the direct quote. 
After settling in Green Hills, Sonic is ready for more freedom, and Tom and Maddie agree to leave him home while they go on vacation. But no sooner are they gone when Dr. Robotnik comes back, this time with a new partner, Knuckles. In search for an emerald that has the power to both build and destroy civilizations, Sonic teams up with his own sidekick, Tails, and together they embark on a journey to find the emerald before it falls into the wrong hands, being directed by Jeff Fowler and starring Jim Carrey, James Marsden, and Ben Schwartz. Chad? You know what this says to me? What do you think? First of all, it's going to be fun. Because Sonic the movie was was a great romp of a time. But you know what this says to me? This says they wanted to do a second movie because the first one was so successful. James Marsden said, sorry, guys, I don't really – I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, what if we pay you all the same amount of money except you only have to show up to a half-day shoot where you say, bye, Sonic, we're going on vacation, and then we never see you again in the movie. And then Sonic and <laughs> Tails do whatever the fuck they do for the rest of the movie. That's what this screams to me. It's going to be a little bit more of a kitty movie because it's going to be Sonic and Tails and Knuckles and Jim Carrey and a lot less of the actual human-grounded part that I feel like made it a worthwhile endeavor. But I'm okay with it. Because the anime, we're going to have good-looking Sonic, not scary Sonic in there. And we're going to have him from the get-go. Um, but it's going to be great. And obviously, yes, it's in the chat, Engage Family Gaming says, Knuckles is going to have a face turn by the end. Surprise! Also, Knuckles was my favorite character in the Sonic franchise as a kid. I was a, I was a Raphael, Knuckles, like, I'm a red guy, and I have a little bit of an attitude. I was a fan of those. <laughs> I was also violent as a child. <laughs> That probably is connected, but so yeah, that's this, my thoughts on it. Knowing that the knowing the human characters aren't there makes me more excited, actually, because I didn't care for them at all, and I feel like they're going to lean a lot more heavily to Jim Carrey now, and that's appealing to me because I thought he was the best part of the whole movie, like far and away. Um, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not rushing. I was not a big fan of the original one. You weren't? I think it's... It what? was fine. It wasn't bad, but it was just like... What? It was fine. Did you like that better than yeah. Detective Pikachu? Or oh, Hell no. Detective Pikachu is oh my God. awesome. Who are you? Lint Liquor. No, Detective Pikachu is a movie I can rewatch a few times and kind of catch a new little thing because of the story, the mystery behind it. And Sonic was just like... I don't know. It's just a movie. You're, just, like, you're a Nintendo know. kid. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. You didn't lie to yourself I, yeah, I have no for two decades Sonic. saying Sonic was good, and then you realize as an adult, like, no, it was never yeah, fucking you're right, good. But you're, but you're lying to yourself about liking that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when I'm 55, I'll go, you know what? That movie wasn't good. <laughs> but right now, you're right. No, you were allowed to enjoy what you want to enjoy. You're okay. Moving on to the fetch quests, the last little bits of the stories for all the stories we're talking about this week. Starting off, Grand Theft Auto V launches on PS5 and Xbox Series X November 11th. We do not know what is expanded or enhanced about it, but we know they're going to lean into next-gen tech is what they've said. So I'm assuming like DualSense stuff, you know, higher frame rates, that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see. We'll find out more about it at some point. GTA 6 unlikely this year, as Take-Two plans 21 games for release between now and March. This is Rebecca Valentine at IGN. Uh, I I don't think anyone expected GTA 6 to come out this year, but I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if we see something about it. I haven't seen a GTA tattoo 
or any, you know, guerrilla tactics stickers placed all over large cities. So we don't have a GTA coming anytime soon. Yeah, the um, the rumors have been like around 2023 or so. And Rockstar tends to announce their games two years before they come out. They announced Red Dead two years before it came out. GTA Five was announced two years before it comes out. So if it is coming in 2023, it could it could be it could be announced this year. It's it's feasible. We'll see. Cruise and Blast could be coming to Nintendo Switch as Damien McFerrin Nintendo Life. Cruise and the world. Yeah, yeah. I am actually excited about that. Cruising Exotica is one of my favorite arcade games. Like when I go to Dave and Buster's or any equivalent, I go to Cruising first because it's awesome. Love Cruising. Cruising USA was my jam on N64. Cruising World Mm -hmm. came out and we were like, what? what, what?" It was great. (laughs) No Man's Sky confirms Mass Effect crossover, which adds the iconic Normandy SR1 to the fleet. I surprisingly don't care. <gasps> what? I can't fly what? it. It can't be like my ship in No Man's Sky. What do it you just do like with floats it? Around, it? It just floats around my freighter, and I can send it out on expeditions, which means it's not really seen ever. Awesome. I just don't it's a care. Cosmetic item. That's like that's like whenever you're in Call of Duty Warzone, you get some kind of cool little dangly thing that like flops off your gun. It's like it's only there for you. <laughs> Wait, Steven said how hairs would be the shadow dropped it. I'm assuming you're talking about GTA six. That would be amazing. That would be legendary. Like GTA six coming today. I, I feel would, like it, the PSN store would break, Epic Game Store would break, everything was broken. It would be just like in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka announces that he's doing the whole like five uh, golden tickets, uh, golden tickets thing, and there's the Charlie's teachers like, "All right, guys, class is dismissed. Like, all of you can leave right now. Like, it'll be like that. Just like people will leave work, they'll leave school. Pornhub will see its traffic reduced. <laughs> it would be amazing. I kind of I, honestly, if I was a rock star, why not do that? Is it gonna sell? Any better? There's you have a huge market. No way. There's no way that GTA 6 is going to make its way into a Walmart storeroom without somebody leaking it. Yeah. Yeah. I can dream. I will get that golden ticket. Speaking of golden ticket, Amy Hennig finally got her golden ticket to working on a AAA action adventure game. Good for her. She deserves it. Can't she's wait to see what it is. She's never done that before. She's been doing that for 12 years at 100 different companies, and she's never gotten to release a game. <laughs> <laughs> Outriders hits 3.5 million players hey. in its first months as Alex Calvin at PC Games Insider. And correction. finally... Correction. Yeah. I'd like to issue a correction for like two weeks ago when Dallas asked us in a subscriber interrogative, what would you do if you had two games you could play, unlimited time, blah, blah, blah. Outriders would be that. I still haven't even fucking booted that game up once since I bought it, but I was mm. so pumped and I can't wait to actually one day and to think two weeks ago, you're like, Holden, you need to buy it. Buy it right now. Buy it right now. <laughs> you should, and you should have. Nah. Did you ever play the demo? No, I actually just you deleted the demo off my PS5 because I'm like, I'm not playing this. I'm just not going to have I have time. There's other things I want to play. you got to go um, back and play Super Mario Wii U, New Brothers Deluxe. Oh, I only had like three worlds left in that. So it's just like, whatever, just knock it out tonight. But Paper Mario Origami King trumps it. Absolutely trumps Outriders. Can I put the, use the word Trump anymore? It's a different context. I know, I know, but it has a different meaning now. Like, gay doesn't mean no, happy it anymore. No, it doesn't. 
No, it Gay doesn't. does not mean happy thing. anymore, Holden. Trump mm. does not mean anything other than that dirty, dirty balloon. Well, Trump didn't trump anything, so the term Trump still maintains its meaning, as far as I'm concerned. Nino Cooney 2 will debut on the Switch in September 2021. Chad, did you play the original? No, I did not. Oh, you did? Although I, you did. No, it is a it was art direction by the Studio Ghibli folks, and it is basically a Pokemon game. So I assume that I would love it. But also, it's not going to debut on Switch. It's coming to Switch. Come on, Jenny Leda at Silicon Era. Game's been out forever. <laughs> if you are only aware of Nintendo, it might as well be debuting for you. Debut. Might as well Debut be. is debut, but French. <laughs> Chad, that is all the news we have for this week. It would normally be time for Game on Game Show, but I don't have a Game on Game Show for this week, Holden. I totally forgot about it, and then about halfway through this episode, I realized I don't have a game on Game Show. But here's what we can do. Boom. Um, Gaming hardware code name trivia. Holden. (laughs) Game on Game Show. The Game on Our Game Show. We play a game called Game on a Game Show on a Game Show. Game, 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 game. Which system was codenamed Dolphin? GameCube. Ding, ding, ding. Nailed it. Which system was codenamed Revolution? Nintendo Wii. Ding, ding, ding. Which game system was originally unveiled as NGP, and what did it stand for? Next Generation Portable as the PS Vita. Boom. Nailed it. 100%. Here's your special prize. Little, like, thing about that NGP reveal that I loved is that they showed the system, it just said PlayStation underneath it as opposed to PS Vita, and I kind of wish they had just done that. That would have been sick. Vita means PlayStation at the bottom. Yeah, but I want PlayStation below that. It's just way cooler. Way Congratulations, cooler. you got 100%. That's it for Game on Game Show. And that is it for episode <laughs> 212 of Respawn Aim Fire. Uh, look at that, Steven. He learned he didn't know the third one about NGP. Um, it was a great event. They showed uh, Metal Gear Solid for Guns of the Patriots on, on, on and running, and it never yeah. came out. <laughs> never once got anywhere close to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I'm going to go back and watch that reveal event. I'm sure it's got some fun stuff in it. That's it. We have homework for you. Your homework is to go to patreon.com slash respawnamefire. Download some dope wallpapers. Play with us on game nights uh, and influence what we play with barf for $1 a month. That's all it takes. Also, Ulta, Balto, Alto, Age of Ultron, Oliver Twist. Play Red Dead Redemption 2. Everyone voted that that's what we're going to be playing through the end of June. Play it me. Play that includes it. you, Chad. Just fucking buy it and download it so that if you get the whim that you can, um, do that. Do here's, it. Here's right my concern now. with this. The opening prologue section is long. And it's really pretty because you're like, wow, the snow looks really good. And the way like feet move through it looks really good. And then you go, oof, man, I've been doing this for like hours now. When's the story going to start? I feel like you're just never going to play it. <laughs> you're never going to get back. There. But it gets so good after that. It gets so good after that. Your last piece of homework is to go to affableidiots.com. Click on the survey at the top that says you're the guest and you can be on our show. Just like all of our guests have been in the past few weeks. It's been a fun blast. Love it. Every time we have a guest, I just get tickled pink inside. I'll stick with how I said that. Uh, And with that, we're going to wrap up our show. So thank you, everyone, for watching, listening out there. Uh, Thank you for everyone in the chat here. Y'all are dope. I wish I could see all of your asterisks, but I know they all just say boobies. Um, 
And with that, here's our usual sign-off. Rack do stay away!